you doing today, man? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. So uh, this is the EricSpawnRacing.com podcast. I believe it'll be number 86. And today we have Jeff Heiser of Epic Beard Photography. So thanks for coming on talking to me. No problem. It's exciting. Have you ever been a podcaster before? Nope. First timer? First timer. Um, so yeah, it's uh, open, open format. Um, we didn't talk at all before this, just some text messages back and forth. So I'm pretty sure I met you at the racetrack a couple of times. Um, I was doing photography and uh, this year and last year I've been a track marshal. So I was just at Homestead Miami Speedway uh, over okay. the weekend with CCS. And uh, I was just looking at flights going to St. Petersburg for uh, the IndyCar race uh, coming up next week. Oh, nice. So, uh, so you've been a photographer for many years. You do, it sounds like uh, portraits. Uh, you do action sports, a little bit of everything uh yeah a little bit of everything um i started out when i was a kid uh my dad had his own business and he was always developing film so they gave me a small little camera uh never thought of anything of it for the most part uh when i graduated high school and started college in the 90s uh i bought a, a pawn shop uh 35 millimeter for 50 bucks yeah uh took a photography 101 class Learned how to develop film and then I would join the Navy and saw the world and then got out and decided to do my own thing. And uh, you've been traveling all around. Do you have an event list where people can see where you'll be at next? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, if you follow Moto America, I'll be at all the rounds. Okay, very good. <laughs> so you'll be at Daytona coming up in uh, a couple of weeks here? Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, I grew up in Merritt Island, Florida. So it's like, it's like home for me. And what was the city? Merritt Island. Merritt it's Island. Right there where Cocoa Beach, Cocoa, okay. Cape Canaveral is. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, how do you think, what do you think about hurricanes living down there? Because I'm thinking about moving, but I'm like, I'm scared of hurricanes. All right, so where are you from? Michigan. We have no natural disasters other than people die from the cold all the time. Um, if you can sustain any kind of high winds, I mean, and you'd like the heat, then do it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right i like it i don't i mean i don't know i grew up around them i'm not scared of them but if you talk to other people they're afraid of weather and they'll they'll hunker down or they'll leave but uh i mean i remember when i was in high school uh we would be out in in football practice practicing in it so it, it is what it is i gotcha very good and uh you probably have a whole bunch of different cameras now. Um, are there any specific cameras in your arsenal that uh, is your go-to? Uh, so with technology moving right now to mirrorless, uh, I still use my old-fashioned DSLR. Um, that's the camera that has, when you take the lens off, you see it, the mirror in it. Um, only because when you're doing high-speed sports of any sort from basketball games football to motor motorsports um i just feel more confident that i'm not going to miss a shot than i will with some of this newer stuff that's the mirrorless uh, i've tried mirrorless a couple times i've missed some vital shots and uh i was like yep no more i'll just use by, the mirrorless for video by uh miss do you mean they were blurry or you just didn't get the actual shot off quick enough both both of them okay um so what are the advantages of a mirrorless versus a mirrored camera 
So a mirrorless camera from, from my experience so far, um, they're light, lighter weight. Uh, there's more, a little bit more compact. Uh, they, they cost about the same. Their, their image quality is better. I like it for doing portraits and weddings. Um, it also, the, the sensor in it for video is really well put together too. Okay. Um, it's amazing to me how much everything progresses nowadays. Uh, I think my camera right now, I have an iPhone X, iPhone 10. Um, oh, yep. that, that camera is better than the last actual digital camera that I bought. That was just a camera. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and then, I buy, and then buy the several new, times. Right. And then the new phones coming out now that are even better than what you have now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so most of the time when I do my video in-person podcast, I'm using my cell phone because it's, it's the best, one of the best cameras I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you sure. see a lot of uh, photographers using that kind of stuff now? And uh, how much better are the, the bigger cameras? So I, I don't, I haven't seen very many people using the, the cell phones unless it's something quick for Instagram, you know, to do a reel or to just post something out real quick. Um, I, I see a lot of people still uh, sticking with their digital SLRs or their mirrorless cameras because they're, they're tried and true and you can, you, they take a beating and keep on ticking, you know? I mean, yeah. if you ever see me at the track, I'm on my little scooter. I'll have a tripod with one camera and I carry the other one slung around me. And as I'm driving around that, that one hanging just is beating against the side of that scooter and it's yeah. still tried and true. Pretty durable. It sounds like. Yes. But you have them in cases or they're just uh, the bare cameras. Uh, when I'm at the track, they're just, or doing an event, they're just bare cameras. When I travel, I put them in cases. I gotcha. Uh, probably get that stuff inspected at TSA all the time. Uh, not anymore. I have my, my little thing so I can just go right through. Oh, the pre, pre, uh, yep, TSA? The pre check. Is it, yep. Is it worth it? <laughs> uh, every $86 worth. Yes. Because when you're, when you're traveling with at least 10 grand worth of camera equipment, I'd rather pay $86 and know that I'm not going to forget something because my case will stay closed and go through by opening up and somebody walking off with something. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I've had my bags inspected and, uh, and then they just say, oh, you got to put it all back yourself. I'm like, well, <laughs> I got to <laughs> yeah. You opened it. Can't you put it back? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's kind of rude, but I, oh, yeah. well, I'll, I'll do it myself. But, uh, yeah, man, I've been flying a lot more lately, uh, you know, going down to Florida like seven times this year, maybe. And, uh, wow. getting more comfortable with flying. Um, just like it's cheaper to fly sometimes than it is to drive and it takes you know, way less time. Yeah. I, I'm not looking forward to my drive to, to Coda or Brainerd, but uh, I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you were, do you teach any photography classes or schools? Are you, like, are you a mentor to other photographers? Uh, yeah. So I'm an adjunct professor at our local community college here in Virginia Beach. It's called Tidewater Community College. Okay. Uh, this is my second semester teaching. Um, also I've had a, a few mentorees under me and, uh, because of, you know, their husbands having a transfer because of military, or they just felt comfortable enough to keep going. They, they're, they've, uh, they've left the nest. Uh, I guess you could say 
Um, I don't have anybody uh, mentoring right now, but you know, I'm always open to somebody. Sure. And uh, what would you say about having photography as a viable career option? Like some people say, oh, you should, you know, do something more stable. But if you were doing something you're passionate about and you put all your effort into it, you can probably make it a full-time gig, right? Uh, yes. It's, but it's not for the lighthearted. You have to be, you have to have a thick skin. You have to be able to take rejection and you have to be able to take critique. Um, if you can get past that and you can uh, get past, you know, um, figuring out how, where your next meal is going to come from, because sometimes, especially like right now through the winter months, it's not a very uh, busy time, even with weddings, because you know, everyone's just coming out of the holidays and the new year's getting ready to start. Um, but it seems like from tax, from right after people start getting their tax returns all the way up till, uh, right after Thanksgiving seems to be the busiest time. And if you price yourself right and you're willing to do all that hard work, it's, it's well worth it because you make your own scheduling. Sure. Um, and I'm sure there's a different cost for every type of uh, gig that you would do but do you have any sort of standard pricing for like weddings or if uh our motorcycle shoots or things like that so before so pre-covid pandemic i i did have set prices um but afterwards and everybody's starting to come back around with um you know life and and you know money and wanting to do things i kind of try to base my my time and my prices right now off of uh their budget but I do have a set amount. I really do not try to go below $1,600 for like a wedding. Um, as for doing the sports stuff, uh, like the motor, uh, Moto America stuff, I have a few, few little, you know, deals made up with a couple of different riders and we just work it that way. Yeah. But I'm always available for any of the other riders. You just let me know so I can, we can talk it out and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, do you have like a, like a, a set timer? So uh, every rider goes around at a certain time, usually a, 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 around a certain lap time uh, based on the conditions. So it, it'd be nice to have like a timer go off. Oh, he's coming around the corner this time, you know? No, I just, I, I do that. So I learned by watching Brian J. Nelson. I do, you got three laps to, that, that uh, I give you and then I'm moving to another location. Basically, one is a mess up on my part, then I give myself an extra chance. And then if you don't come through that time, I give you one more chance because maybe you went into the pit real quick. And if I don't see you by that third time, I'm moving to another spot because I don't want to waste my time all in one spot. The only, the only track that's really difficult to, to do that three, three shot rule is road America. It's so spread out. Um, even though, and, and with them only being on the track half the time, because of how big it is, it really, once you get to a spot, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Even with a scooter, I would imagine, you know, Road America is a massive facility. I don't even know how many acres, hundreds of acres that they have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with Road America, it's one of the only tracks I actually drive my car because I can come all the way down to the, to turn five. I can park right there. I hit turn five. And then from there, I can go back up and around the other side to get the carousel. And then from there, I can walk certain spots. And then also turn six, I can go park over there and hit that up. Um, 
The only spot that's really hard that I ha- I've only done one time is on the outside of Canada Corner because you have where you got to park and then you got to walk down the okay. the stairs trying to walk back up in a timely fashion to get somewhere else it's just impossible right yeah so you've probably seen all the behind the scenes of every racetrack in the country that by now oh yeah it's interesting it's a different different perspective for real yeah and uh you rode and raced motorcycles at one point is that right uh no i only was a novice i i, I rode a street like a cruiser bike and then uh dirt bikes here and there that's how i i hurt myself one time on a, on a dirt bike and it was over something stupid too i was we just got done you know messing around on a on a track i was on my way back to my truck to put it away for the day and my, my where i was riding i was riding towards the back of the of the seat and i hit a bump and i hit the throttle and it looped out from under me and i blew oh, out no. my acl uh, yeah which one <laughs> which which side uh my right okay Yep. And uh, that took you out for quite a while. Yep. And then I tried to ride again. And with the ACL brace, it, it's really hard to hold the tank. So I was just like, well, I'll just put her around on a, on it, or I'll just, you know, get a four wheeler. I gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of injuries take people out and uh, it's unfortunate. I hope that one day we can just have better armor all around. Right. But I mean, it is amazing though, when you sit there and you watch, the, you guys race and you the speeds that you guys are are, are going at and and then the, you guys high side or your low side then you get up and you walk away and you're you, you're thinking in your head you know that shouldn't have been possible <laughs> right like 50 years just, ago that probably wouldn't have happened right you just like skid across concrete at like 70 miles an hour and banged your head and you're up walking around yeah it's uh, a little different than watching soccer Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You see them just uh, barely even get kicked or get missed and just bluff it and uh, make this wild uh, show of injury and uh, flailing about uh, to get a penalty. And then you see a racer go flying, like you said, 70, 80 yeah. miles an hour, whatever the speed is, uh, and uh, get up and walk away like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and run to the bike to see if they can get back on it yeah yeah that, that that is a true statement yeah <laughs> um you've probably seen some nasty accidents and crashes and wild uh you know um yard sales on film the 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 most bizarre one was uh two years ago at indy so i was i was sitting there and i was watching them come in uh i i watched when Bobier went down the first time or somebody went down the first time and then they came back around and then Bobier went down and, and then took out Schultz. And then at the same time, I saw Flinders go down. And, and then from there, Bobier got back up and we went all the way to the backside of the track. And then I, wa- I watched when Bobier went down again, but that time it was really weird because you could hear the bikes coming and then all of a sudden it went really silent and then you hear the bike hit the ground and you hear the squealing and and then <laughs> the bike hit the wall and then and then everything came back too and you could hear everything going on it's just just a weird mess um that's one wreck i saw like crazy one the other one that i saw i saw when lambkin went down at barber but i i wasn't able to get photograph it 
and I didn't see the full details, but that was kind of scary because when, when you're out there as a photographer and, and or media in general, you make friendships with all these writers. So um, even though we might talk every day or, you know, we might not go hang out every day, you still have some kind of a respect and friendship. And to see somebody that you know just like laying there, you're like, oh my God, man, I want to go help. Um, I think the, the weirdest one was Ubre at Atlanta last year, where all of a sudden the front tire seemed like it just blew out and you went ass over over kettle. And hmm. it was just a weird thing going into turn seven. I've never seen anything like that. Was this maybe like a uh, a tire blowout or a puncture, and then he went to go brake real hard, and it it just yep. collapsed. Yep, that's exactly what happened, and um, it it was weird because it, like there was nothing around, so it's just one of those things. And it was right before this little little dip that uh, Flinders said on the uh, track walk. Make sure you avoid this little dip when you come through because we were walking with some of the other riders and. Uh, or he said, or you'll, you'll, you'll regret it later. <laughs> and then and it was during one of the, I think it was during one of the qualifyings when it happened. And yeah, he, he like right before that dip, he hit it and just ass overhead and that was it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was at the event with, uh, when Nolan crashed and, uh, it sounded like his, his suit ripped open maybe. I don't know, man. He had a, he had a rough, part of the year last year after road america yeah but he did get a podium you know he got his first yeah. uh, super sport podium i think it was at uh, road atlanta yep he, he placed third that was that was great and uh sounds like he's uh he's doing really well now he's uh, moving it up and uh taking names <laughs> yep that's right i'll tell you this year super sport is gonna be interesting yeah I, it's I mean... a whole new class a whole new set of rules that's gonna going to be you know i kind of wish they have two 600 classes i'd love to see them keep the stock 600 and have a super sport built you can do whatever like they're doing putting ducatis the v2 in there yeah. and heron's yeah. gonna be flying i saw him doing 51s uh steady at uh, the arma weekend uh, a couple of weeks ago um in january and uh that's pretty darn good times i mean maybe not um the fastest lap in some of the past years but i was watching uh it's from like 10 years ago and they were doing 51s the whole race. So I'm like, that's right yeah. on point. Yeah. It's going to be uh, interesting with, with, like you said, uh, Heron. And then also that they opened it up for triumph to be in the, in the class now too. I don't know if anybody's coming with a triumph, but uh, I think those two bikes are going to be right out in front with the Cowies and the Suzuki. And you know, you know, is, Yamaha. That, is that huh? triumph going to be the 765 moto two bike or the 675 uh, daytona rr i don't know they they haven't they haven't said so i don't know and i'm not i don't have the time to go digging through all the new stuff to, to find out yeah. um i guess we'll find out though in daytona huh because the, the, i'm sure somebody's going to show up with one yeah do you think uh daytona it's kind of like a one-off it's not really uh, a points paying race for championship points um do you think it should be involved in the championship or do you think it should be its own separate deal um i don't know i because this will be my first time going so i don't I, i'm going with an open mind to see how it all plays out i did see somebody post like a tentative schedule 
so they're going to have a lot. Motor America got a lot of stuff going on. They're going to have the baggers there racing. They're going to have, I think, the infield and uh, the twins all there too racing. And there's going to be some um, some sprint races as well, not just the uh, the yeah. 200. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Um, I think it's probably going to be like a trial thing that they're going to do to see the what kind of fan base they can gather and then expand from there. Uh, but I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to the main event because you get to see, you know, all the Moto American guys just wipe the, the floor with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, you know, you think a lot of club guys come out, and that's great. They pay $175,000 out to the, to the first 40 positions, which wow. is freaking awesome. Uh, I wish every race was like that. Otherwise, I'd probably be out there. Um, right? But I will be out there. Actually, I'm working that event as a track marshal, and uh, I'm actually taking on a new position this year as working, uh, what do you call it, the air fence? Uh, deployment yep, yep. and extraction so putting them out and taking them down at the end of the uh, event thursday to sunday so um i'm excited to help out and be there and you know that's seeing a whole new side of the racetrack and uh, what's involved with uh, setting everything up oh for sure and then you'll you'll eventually see me out there then too since you're going to be almost at every round yeah i'll be at six of them this year um i can't go to a few of them because i'm choosing to uh i'm, I'm going to be a coach this year a rider coach uh, okay. For beginner and street riders doing those basic rider courses for um, Motorcycle Safety Foundation, uh, MSF. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, they're looking for instructors. If anybody is hearing this and wants to make some extra cash on the weekends or sometimes during the week, uh, they pay really well and they're in desperate need of coaches because, you know, pandemic times, everybody's uh, searching for, for uh, employees. Yep. And you yep. can choose whatever events you want to do. I guess uh, once you do the training, you can uh, do at minimum four events a year. So four weekends. Um, so, and it's around motorcycles. It's a good thing to add to your resume. And hey, whenever you're teaching the fundamentals, you just instill them better in yourself too, I think. Exactly. That's why I kind of like teaching this intro to photography class because I go I have to go back and learn, teach the fundamentals and that, you know, just reinstills everything. So what are some of the fundals, uh, fundamentals of photography uh, that you would teach some, some people? Uh, how to use a camera outside of automatic mode. Um, once you really learn how the functions of the camera work and how to, you know, read light, the, the, there's endless possibilities of what you can create. But if you don't want to move past, you know, automatic mode, uh, and let your camera do all your thinking for you, then you're going to always, you're always just going to hit a wall. You're not going to be able to move forward from there. And uh, I'm sure there's a big portion of it now comes into graphic design or how you can edit your photos and how you can adjust certain like color grading for video and whatnot. Oh yeah. It's a huge yep, thing. That's a whole nother thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> so now I'm starting to get more and more into video. I've been teaching myself the color grading um yeah that's a whole it's a whole beast in itself and explain what that is to people so basically you get <clears throat> your, your video so your camera if you film it normal your camera does all the thinking for you and it will apply settings as to what the best exposure would look like the best color would look like and everything else so but if you're going to video um you have what's called log and it's like a 
like a totally raw like video and you can go in and you can adjust your exposure your contrast your white balance your your darks uh you can change colors you can make them more vibrant by adding or taking by adding saturation or you can dull it down by taking away saturation and that's the same thing with with photography you can do two different styles you can photograph in jpeg which the camera will take everything that you photograph and compress it to think of you know this is what it wants you to have or you can do it in raw which it doesn't compress any of the information and then you can uh adjust all your colors exposure and all the other uh good stuff i listed before um you just have more editing power when you when you do it in a raw sense than if you let the cameras think for you sounds like an endless rabbit hole of uh settings you can change yes <laughs> yep do you ever get like uh stuck like oh it's not good enough it can always be better and just like working on it too much and and not publishing it or how do you find the happy medium between like it's good enough and like i can put it down now so what i normally do um is like for especially like with a wedding is i'll come home and i won't even look at anything i'll just back up my files and then i give it a day or two and then i'll go and look through and then I'll cull it down, get rid of all the garbage. And then from there, I'll start marking certain images that I think are really good. And then I'll give it a couple of days and then I'll go in, I'll start with a fresh mind, start editing them. And if you said, like you said, if it gets to a point where I'm overthinking it or whatnot, then I'll, I'll put it away, wait a couple of days, maybe a week, and then go back and look at it and then make my decision on does it need more or not because i feel that if i am looking at this over and over again i could have taken something that i did and it was perfect and i overthought it and made it look like crap so once i get to a point where i start second guessing myself i stop for the day and then come back with a fresh set of eyes later yeah, I've heard that, uh, you know, go sleep on it is really a powerful thing because give it a couple of days rest, let your mind sink it in, um, come back to that paper, come back to that art or the photograph and see see it with the new fresh set of eyes. Yep. But that uh, already ingrained in your brain from days ago um, is really helpful. Yeah, sometimes I call a lifeline in too and I'll, I'll send it to a friend and be like, hey, what do you think of this? What needs to be changed? Uh, and, and if I don't, trust that person's opinion i always go to my wife and i'll ask her hey what do you think of this sometimes i don't like what she says but she does make valid points and i'll and i uh <laughs> i adjust yeah. accordingly yeah take it with a grain of salt yep i can take the best crit critiques and criticisms from from all kinds of people i mean even if like uh taking you know criticism and critiques from Dr brian j nelson i mean i could take it no problems but for some reason it's like a kick to the to the nuts when my wife critiques me. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, how, how come you don't like this? How could you not? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I made this with my own two hands. <laughs> right? This is amazing work. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? So uh, what do you? what's your thoughts on some of those uh, Picassos or some of those crazy artworks selling for hundreds of millions of dollars? How does that, how does that make sense? Um, does it seem that much more valuable than any other work? 
Ah, uh, man. I don't know. I, I mean, I wish my stuff would sell for a couple hundred thousand. That'd be great. You just got to um, mark it up, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> end of the day, I, you know, art is always subjective. So if someone's willing to put that kind of money forward, then that's that's what makes it that valuable. Um, I mean, there's there's some things that are out there that just, you know, they're priceless. Like um, when I was in the Navy and going to to Rome and uh, going to the Louvre. And I mean, just seeing that, I mean, it's just priceless work. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful I had those opportunities to go to do that. Because um, if you ever get a chance to see some of that that work, it's amazing. Yeah, so you've studied some of the the history and the past artists of the of the times. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the curriculum here for uh, any of the associate art um, uh, degrees through the community college. They really want you to take art history classes, and um, you know that way you, you get an appreciation for what you're working on and where it's just like you know music. You know, kids these days are all about this new hip hop stuff, but they forget about they forget about Dre. Yeah, <laughs> about all the all the past ones, all the greats. Yeah, right. I mean, I loved watching the the Super Bowl halftime show. I felt, you know, finally they're representing my generation. You yeah, know? you know, I didn't realize that was the first time ever they had you know major hip hop artists play at the Super Bowl. I thought that had been a thing in the past, but maybe they were more poppy. Yeah, they were more poppy. Um, yeah, I mean, back in the day, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, they weren't contr- they, they weren't considered, you know, hip hop or, you know, anything like that. It was it was rap. I mean, it was rap music. Um, yeah. so it like I said, it was great seeing that. But but going back to knowing about, you know, the past, um with my my son, he loves all kinds of music. And that's because we listen to all kinds of music in the house. We just don't settle for one thing because music, music, just like art, is built upon building blocks of other people's ideas to make it better. Yeah. And uh, there's a constant evolution of music nowadays. Some people say, oh, all modern music is crap, or I only listen to the oldies. But, like, you know, that's okay, too. I'm not hating on anybody's taste of music. Everybody has a different taste. But yeah. um, I just like listening to um, not just or only, but I all, I like listening to, to new music because you see how things evolve or how new bands have different sounds. You know, there's certain artists you're like, oh, I wish they would put out 10 CDs that were just like their first one. But that's right. not how they are. They just change sometimes completely. Um, and that's you can't say that they're a bad band or you hate their music now. It's just they're trying something different. Exactly. Well, that, and that's what, you know, I understand kind of what M- MGK did with Eminem. You know, yeah, he kind of dissed him. And yeah, Eminem was kind of in a weird spot in life with his music. And it, it was, it was kind of boring. So it really made him come back to his roots. To And, and I mean, when, when that new album came out from Eminem, his sales and fan base was like going crazy over that because that was, that was what made him, you know what I'm saying? Not this other stuff that he was doing. He was like a rap um, battle artist, you know? He was a diss track yeah. artist. Exactly. And for some reason, he started going on a different path, and everyone was like, what are you doing? He's so, got some uh, a major hits, though. Like, every single, uh, just about every 
album he puts out seems like it's a smash hit and he's collaborating with everybody he wants to. Uh, what oh, a position for real. to be in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy, you know, he was he was founded, by, you know, just like the movie in the underground. Yeah. So. You can make it, you can do anything. You just got to be uh, a little bit obsessed, I think. You can't just be half-assed, like, I kind of want to do this. Let's see if it happens. It's not going to really make it most of the time. Yeah, you gotta be willing to to accept failure and then you know get up and, and try again. And and that's the same with being in business. Um, you know, you I failed a lot in the, you know, the last six years. However, I've learned from those mistakes and I've built and become better. Um, so I even though right now my business is kind of slow, you know, still coming out out of COVID and stuff like that. I still find it to be successful because during that time of COVID, I had my own like little renaissance and I, you know, um, reinvented with what I was doing and what I liked. So now I'm doing things that help pay the bills, such as weddings and events, but I've, I've limited and brought my price up to a point to where I can limit how many of those I do to fund my fun things that I like to do. Yeah. It's like you sort of, if you don't love doing this one particular thing, you can price yourself a little bit out of some of the competition so that you only do a, a few less and you get paid a little bit more for those. And you, exactly. Um, and it can kind of work out that way. Exactly. And then going back to art and, and you know music in general, you know I, I I really 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 was hoping after this whole pandemic thing that we would have had like some kind of a renaissance because after the Black Plague they had a renaissance and that's when all this amazing art happened and you had all the you know large overweight women laying around naked that they painted because you know they were fat dumb and happy at right. that time. Um, they had the time but, to have leisure time and explore different areas of their life. Yeah, and I was really hoping that some some you know really good stuff was going to come out because there was nothing but time and opportunity to really you know go back to your roots and really you know um, reinvent yourself. And it, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like much of that happened in the realm of you know pop culture. Well, you know what? Um, this this podcast is a pandemic baby. Uh, not hell yeah. Not. Um, not because there was a pandemic. I had wanted to start one for years. Um, I just happened to do the first one in February um, of 2021, I think it was. Of, or no, 2020. February of 2020. Yep. And uh, and then pandemic hit. And I didn't do another one until like um, another couple of weeks. And I was doing it very slowly. And so I didn't yep. actually publish any of them until like May. Because I wanted to have a whole bunch of them built up before I started. Because um, I knew it would be kind of hard to get guests at first. And if I didn't have one out there, how are you going to come on a show that right? doesn't exist? <laughs> right? So, um, and I was super nervous. I wanted to have a bunch of them done so that I couldn't psych myself out of doing it. Um, yeah. And then I, I was like, I already have three of them. I can't not do this now. Right? So I have to do it. And because um, I, was, I was really nervous about starting it, you know, t talking openly with no script. Uh, and not having much public speaking experience was nerve-wracking. So, um, yeah, you're doing all right. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine now. Like, I, I actually want to do like uh, the next step. What would be the next step? I don't know. Um, 
commentary or being like a analyst or a reporter like on TV would be awesome. I think and a lot of times I'm watching a race and I say something and then they say the exact same thing. I'm like, well, I can right. do that, you know? Um, you should be, but you should bring more humor to it like Nick Carey is going to do with his. What does um, Nick Carey do? Uh, he's he well he's a super fan he uh i met him at pit in pittsburgh um he's gonna do uh a, a podcast like when he's at the track he's gonna go up to each rider and be like hey let's have let's sit down you know let's do this and you know hey what's your mom cooking for dinner let's have some dinner and, and just make fun with it you know what i'm saying but still uh, engage and, you know, ask those hard questions, you know, that sometimes, uh, you know, reporters don't want to want to do. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask the, the surface questions, the, um, I don't know, the, what was your favorite track moments? You know, I mean, those are okay too, but those seem like the low hanging fruit. Yeah. See, and, and that that's easy stuff like when I started doing this just in general, like photography stuff. And I started, um, you know, doing certain events, you know, I, I got hired by, um, a company to hang out with LeGarrette Blunt one day, uh, for a whole weekend to photograph, uh, him doing a football camp for kids and just hanging out with him. And we never even talked about football. Uh, we talked about, you know, life things, you know, kids and, you know, movies. I told him about different restaurants here in the area to go to with him and his family. Um, here in Virginia, uh, they always have what's called a patriotic festival. And I got hired to, you know, photograph that. And they usually have a lot of country stars come out and I didn't know any of them. So I sat there and I talked with Luke Combs and Kane Brown and, you know old dominion and we all had conversation i didn't even know who they were and they <laughs> talked about fishing and all kinds of craziness and and uh when i went out to go photograph them i was like oh so that's who that is <laughs> that's cool you just made yeah, a connection so, afterwards yeah yeah so i i when i when i talk to people you know i try not to, famous or, or not i try not to talk about that low-lying fruit i want to know about the person themselves you know what motivates them to do what they do um so how i fell into this whole moto america thing was you know they started shutting everything down in, in march 2020 and here i am having to refund back all this money watching my business just tank and i had a friend of mine what was it um uh, april time frame he posted out on facebook hey who who would like to go to uh wisconsin and watch a motorcycle race and i said i i broke back i said i would i just want media credentials because i want to photograph it um he goes all right i'll get you credentials don't you worry about that so he got me the media credentials and that's when i met max flinders and his family for the first time it was the second round of road america and that's when i met the black Alls, and then everything from there just kind of tumbled and grew from there and it's been an awesome experience and that's where i say you know that's where my little mini renaissance was um because it really opened up other opportunities and pushed me to do other things above what i was already doing yeah, and for a long time, you know, a lot of events shut down and they're still sort of kind of opening up. 
Um, I just went to a concert a couple of weeks ago with my brother for the first time in like two years. And like, oh, wow. that was cool. And, uh, you know, that was the first time I've ever had to show my vaccine stamp card. Um, it's strange. It's like this hole in the wall bar is requiring this, but I'm flying and I don't need this. Oh, Seems yeah. Kind of backwards. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because from from second round of Road America in 2020 until last November, I've been around so many people, thousands and thousands of people. And I had finally had gotten uh, COVID uh, over Halloween weekend. And I'll tell you what, it kicked my butt. Yeah. But it is what it is. And I'm, I'm here and let's, let's do the dang thing, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think everything uh, is crazy to be so shut down. And um, I know there's people, some, some people apparently are dying from it, but I don't know a single person. I'll tell you what, man. There was a couple nights. It was pretty rough. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, I remember getting up in the middle of the night one night and I went to go to the bathroom. I was coming out of the bathroom and I had passed out and, and uh, I fell, you know, thank God I didn't hit my head on the, uh, on my bed. Um, and I had a pile of, of clothes right there. So I, I just passed out, man. I was gone out for probably a good 30, 40 seconds or so and i came to and i was like what in the world just happened yeah that's crazy that's a scary thing yeah sure um, is you know i uh i highly recommend not not a sponsor of mine i hope it is one day maybe but those elderberry uh sambuca stuff and that doesn't have to oh, be yep. brand, but I, I just take that stuff all the time and uh, yep, anytime i, I feel like i'm getting the sniffles i'll take that and i haven't been actually really sick since college like maybe 12 years ago um yeah. and that wasn't that was like a sore throat so um I, I live by that stuff and i try to eat healthy i don't drink pop um but uh yeah man it's got you got to take care of yourself yeah i i agree too i i hardly ever get sick usually i get you know the occasional uh middle of the, of the year like seasonal sinus infection um but i i I, I do. I take care of myself and I, I never get sick. So I was like amazed when I, when it hit me at finally, I was, I was like, well, maybe it's just the flu. <laughs> yeah. And like the next day I'm like, huh, I don't smell this shampoo. Huh? I don't taste this. I was like, damn it. <laughs> oh man. So those are the telltale signs. How huh? those, the smell and the taste. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause uh, my, my, uh, my parents both have, you know, some health issues, I guess, and they both got it and they're both fine. So I'm like, well, I should be completely good then. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, my, uh, my brother, he, he got it. He's a, he's an interesting character though. He, he runs ultra marathon. So he got it and was like really over it in like two days, three days tops. Cause his immune system is like so on point, but then like my parents, they're in their 60s they got it and they were down for about two weeks just like i was so Man. yeah my wife she got it she was only down for like a week so I gotcha. it's weird how it affects everybody differently it's not like you know a, a set like oh it's the flu this is exactly how long it's going to be nope right everybody's different i gotcha so uh sounds like things are picking back up for you um yeah. doing a bunch of moto america rounds do you have any other uh other series on the schedule this year any other organizations you're working for 
I'm trying to get in and do um, some more of the the car races. Uh, I did one this past October at VIR, the Michelin uh, GT Challenge. Is that at IMSA? Uh, yeah, they're really hard to get in with, though. Um, like, I put in my um, request for media credentials, and it got denied. <laughs> Based on what? Uh, because I... I they said that they had too many people already, but I was like, that's bullshit. Um, and I know the track, I know the track. So I was like, you know what? I know all the spots to go to anyways. And all most I'm so, I'll be so close to the track anyways. I really, it doesn't matter if I'm on the other side of the fence or not. Uh, it just, it's nice having the credentials because then you don't get fans around you. that block your shot. Um, and with the one lens I have, it's long enough that I, I mean, it didn't much matter. I'd love to do a Daytona, like uh, a NASCAR race at, at Daytona, though. But I was looking up to get credentials for that. Whew, that's a, that's next to impossible because they have so many different layers of credentialing that that they give, um, and you really have to be backed by an accredited media outlet. You just can't be a freelancer, hmm. which, from the looks of it, Moto America is going that way too, um, because people have taken advantage of it and then you know like for example i was at pittsburgh and this dude was walking around with a gopro as his camera with a media vest on and i was like and he walked right in front of me i was like dude what are you doing man you just you just blocked my shot and he's like oh I'm, I'm media i'm like yeah me too and i'm doing a job for somebody and you just got my way yeah and i go who are you working for he goes oh i'm just out here uh, I got credentialing. I was like, oh, okay. So uh, for someone who doesn't know, there's like a set of rules you have to abide by. You have to like set, have a set of standards with what you do and everything. You just have to be considerate to all your other media people that are there. Um, you know, try to be mindful of where you are in conjunction to where they are with their, with their photographs and, and video work. Um, it's like the golden rule man treat others like you want to be treated um so far everybody that i've met through the you know media moto, moto america media press group um and media stuff they they're all a bunch of great people man we all are like-minded and we all are hardworking, and we just want to help promote the sport get out more um because it does it does have a lot of potential to be really really big um because I think people are just tired of NASCAR, to be honest, and they keep changing up the rules and no one can be really, um, they can't, they can't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for with, with the, with the, you know, the car stuff, they can't really associate themselves with that because you can't every day go and buy a, uh, you know, a Bugatti or a Lambo and then just go to the track and race it. But with motorcycles, you can go right into your local dealership, buy an R1, do a couple of little things, and you can go do a track day with no problem. Yeah, and um, they're a, a tenth of the cost of a race car. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I think if Moto America keeps on the right track and you know us media people promote it the way we're working on it, it does have a very good chance of you know being how NASCAR used to be 
where you know race on sunday sell on monday and you know do great things that i think yeah. that's one reason why moto america got rid of yamaha because yamaha got rid of you know the r6 which is garbage anyways <laughs> why would they do that they released an r7 which is like a twin cup bike right yeah supposedly you can still buy the r6 but only race equipped that's it but when you look at the specs of the motors between the r6 and the suzuki and the cowie and um they're they're super underpowered well like, i mean uh i was talking to a, a bike enthusiast recently and you see that um the bicycle technology is now outpacing that of the motorcycle technology like you can the, the bicycle manufacturers are producing new stuff all the time and yeah. the motorcycles are stagnant and they maybe put out a new platform every eight to ten years or longer yeah like what is that about it's just there's not enough uh reason to develop the machines or the the factory doesn't seem like it's necessary i think it's a lot of has to do with probably money research and development and i think they're probably at a spot right now where you know with ev going on so much do they start investing money into this ev technology or do they hold off and you know just limp it along until they're forced to I've seen a few manufacturers commit to producing X amount of bikes or going fully electric by certain years. I think Kawasaki has, and maybe BMW comes to mind. Yeah. Um, that'll be I think I saw that too. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, some people hate on it. I'm not an anti-combustion guy, but you know, like Elon Musk says, why do an experiment when we know it's going to run out eventually, we're going to need to have something else. I'm not saying, oh, get yeah, rid of sure, combustion. Sure. I'm not saying get rid of combustion, but um, how cool would it be to have Laguna Seca not have re noise restrictions and still be able to race, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that would be a fantastic um, idea. But like Laguna Seca is um, is in trouble right now because of the noise restrictions. They're losing money. Um, and it's I think it got sold recently to a different group. Um, and I think it's lost its FIM homologation. From, they need to uh, maybe make it safer somehow or move some walls. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, um, well, yeah, talking about noise stuff. I mean, I, I was talking with Max. Uh, it was sometime late last year about he was about riding down in Florida during the off season. And he said the tracks that he can go to, I think Jennings was one of them. His bike's so loud that he can't. <laughs> yeah. And they, sometimes they have those silencers that's like you pack in your muffler, but sometimes it's not yeah. enough. He said that his bike, when it's wide open, it's around 122 decibels or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of bike does he have? What's his setup like? A uh, manufacturer a, and exhaust? Uh, I don't know. I, all I know is it's the it's a 2020 R1, and <laughs> for some reason his sounds more throatier and meaner than everybody else's. For some reason, Maybe I like it though. Work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I tell you though, if you ever get a chance to actually watch him, he he's an amazing rider. Um, he's super like, and he's super humble. Um, but if you ever watch him, he he rides like he stole the damn thing. Um, he he he's a late breaker, early uh, accelerator. Um, I have a video of him that I took uh, at Atlanta as he's coming out of seven, and that whole 
he's on one wheel and that whole back end is shaking all over the place i'm like dude you have to have some some cojoneses to uh to make that happen because i wouldn't be doing that and who is the writer max flinders max flinders yeah i podcasted with him uh, early on he's the yellow uh yellow writer uh he yep. told me it's because uh his sponsor uh paints air uh, helicopters and he has extra paint so i say like, hey come on over i'll paint your bikes too <laughs> yeah but it's it i'll tell you what it's so easy to spot him yeah i have perfect. no problem you know, spotting him Anytime you're looking for photos through those uh, those apps you probably have for all your photos that when you when you sell them for track days and racing, um, yep. I'm looking through these photos and I usually wear like black and white or something. I usually don't have a lot of colors on me, so I'm like everybody's black and white. I can't see. Yeah, <laughs> you have to look so much harder if you're just yellow or neon colors. Like, oh, there I am. You know, you really have to look. You just gotta uh, go blurry and look scan down. Yeah, well, that, that's like you know, attack Yamaha. You know. Their, their bikes are all the same, and, but you have to really pay attention to the numbers or you get them, you know, mixed up. Same with, uh, you know, M M4. Their, 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 their bikes are all the same color and same get up. So you really got to pay attention to the number so you don't mess that up. Yeah. Sometimes you, know, you can you, tell you, by their, the, the rider's uh, body position or riding style. Yeah. Um, so by the end of the year, I, you know, seeing everybody ride so much, I, I really started being able to do that. But at the beginning of the year, um, it was really hard for me to figure out who was who sometimes, you know, because the bike looked the same and some of the coloring for the, for the numbers were different, you know, same, except for Bobby, Bobby has that orange color, but you know, everybody else, you know, had their uniform coloring. Um, but yeah, you're right. Once you really start watching them, no matter what bike they're on, they all have the same riding position. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's cool. A lot of the drivers or riders are um, switching to having accents in their color scheme so that you can pick them out if it's like an orange or a green, you know, color yeah. from rider one to rider two. Yeah. And those are pretty helpful. Um, so uh, what was on your mind today? Is there anything on your list that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? I don't have your list in front of me, unfortunately. Uh, no, I just wanted to shoot the shit, man. Yeah. I just like talking. <laughs> For sure. Um, I was uh, I was just looking to connect and uh, you know help promote uh, some businesses and and uh, that in that way I can create some original content myself. You know, for a long time I was just sharing other people's stuff and it's like, well, that's nice to share someone's <laughs> thing, but it's just you're not creating anything of your own. So I'm like, well, I got to right. do something of my own, some original. Um, yeah. And so I'm one of my avenues of making money. I'm doing like six different things, but uh, I'm trying to monetize the podcast now like directly with ads. So uh, obviously the podcast is an advertisement for me and my business and that I sell products online. Uh, that's the main way I want to make money off of it. But also that um, every view is a potential ad revenue of like me either reading 30 second ads for a company or however long, or anytime you click on it on YouTube, you know, you watch an ad before you even see it, that kind of thing. So yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very small amount now, but I'm I'm starting to make money already, which is exciting. That's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very. I've seen small. that little baby grow into a toddler, right? Yeah, it's like it starts. Um, it'd be like fifty cents a year, it seems like right now. But no, it's uh, you have to have like millions of millions of uh, views to get like any substantial amount of money. But uh, it's like you get some sort of satisfaction for seeing uh, a few pennies in the jar. 
Oh, for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. This whole monetizing thing and getting people to follow you and, you know, getting people engaged in your social media is so difficult because as soon as you, you figure it out and you figure out how to be trendy, just like everybody else, everything changes again. You're like, damn it, man. I don't have time for this crap. Yeah. It's like, I haven't even tried the new platform of TikTok. I'm like, I don't, there's too many of them, man. I can't do another one right now. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to do less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because um, this is i mean it might be an hour or two but there's very little editing involved uh, i don't really splice things or take it out or make it you know snappy maybe i should i don't know maybe i get more views that way but um i just like to have the raw footage this is what yeah this is me you know now the raw, raw footage works um maybe all you need to do is at the beginning have like some kind of a you know graphic you know introduction type thing but other than that i mean uh, for me, the 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 raw and more natural it is, I, I think the better it would be, because then it doesn't seem so staged. Yeah, for sure. Um, I probably could be a little bit more staged, but uh, I'm I'm just learning. You know, my first one um, was probably way worse than my my tenth one, and I'm getting better as I go. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I'm working with a, a local tattoo shop here, and they wanted to do some like like stuff to put on you know YouTube and stuff like that, and they they gave me the idea and they were like you know so here's like a script idea we went through it uh, and we were right in the middle of doing the the filming and it just seemed so stiff and i was like i was like this this isn't how you guys this isn't the vision that you guys are wanting that you told me so i said let's just let's just sit here and shoot the shit and you know you're gonna get what you want um and it's gonna look more natural and not staged and your clients are gonna like that better and we did and yeah it worked a lot better that way yeah sometimes the best acting is not really acting it's just doing you exactly yeah you don't want me to do me i'm i'm crazy like <laughs> yeah a friend of mine him and i want to do a podcast it's um where we you know we'll do like a zoom style or even if we were in the same room uh and you know partake in testing different beers and giving our opinions about it that'd be cool i mean uh there's there i think there's a niche for everybody or a niche however you want to say it um there's yeah. a there's an avenue for just about everything and people love beer people like uh reviews um i think i should do way more reviews i don't really do any reviews but um you know it'd be cool to get different people's perspectives and i'm sure you get a conversation going like some people would not agree with you at all some people think you're you're right um some people never tried it and just going to be keyboard warriors but that's all part right. of it. <laughs> I think if you're going to do reviews, I think you should do like, like the as seen on TV reviews, like, you know, like just grab some goofy. of that stuff. Yeah. Do it goofy and be like, man, this is garbage. I don't like, <laughs> do kind of like, oh, you know what? Do you like the D list on donut media? Those guys are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I should add some more humor to it for sure. Make it more snappy, more, uh, more energetic anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What you should do is watch James Pumphrey and, and all them and, and get some ideas. That dude's, yeah. that dude's off the hook, man. I have to check it out, but uh, you hate when uh, you don't want to plagiarize. You don't want to steal people's jokes, but no, you don't want you don't want. I'm I'm just saying you don't want to steal his ideas, but just watch him to get ideas. Yeah. He is he is hilarious. You probably riff off of that and uh, create something of your own. Oh yeah, yep. So so uh, I had a question for you uh, off the wall. 
So what would happen if uh, you shaved your beard? Oh, man. My wife wouldn't <laughs> like it. My mom would love it. <laughs> you have to change your... Uh, you wouldn't be epic beard photography anymore. Nope. <laughs> it'd be it'd be baby face photography. <laughs> so how long you been growing the growing the beard? So I got out of the Navy uh January 2012 and I haven't shaved since. Okay, so it's been a minute, it's been a decade now. Yep. I, I've trimmed uh, I keep it trimmed because I don't want it to get too out of control. But yeah, this is about the the length that I want. I don't want it any longer or any shorter. Okay. Would you ever like braid it or like some people like tie it in knots or put it up in a bun or what? I don't know. All kinds of different things. Nah, the only crazy thing I've done is I put the little itty bitty like uh, Christmas ornaments in it and did it green and put some, you know, lights in there, but that's it. Do you do any like the beard oils or the conditioner or anything like that, or just keep it all natural? Um, yeah, actually I do. There's a company here out of Virginia beach, uh, the bearded, uh, the burly, I can't even remember. Here, let me look it up real quick. Hold on. Yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, some people swear by different uh, oils or, or mixtures of things. Uh, I've never used any of those, though. Yeah, so I use um, the Burley Boy Beard Company. It's all organic. Um, and the stuff smells amazing. And each other product is named after a famous person with um that that had a beard so i had the um jerry garcia and i had uh darwin darwin is more like a um cedar smell and the jerry garcia was more like a lemongrass smell um their product is amazing they they make it in just small batches um i use like a more like a like a bomb, not like the oil. And uh, I can also use it on my skin. So like after I get, so it's an all around great product. So let's keep your uh, yep. skin uh, moisturized probably. So, and uh, is it true that uh, beards are actually good for your skin? They help keep, Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I haven't, I, I don't, I don't know. My wife likes it. She says it's nice and soft. <laughs> and uh you know, a lot of people have trouble growing facial hair or um, don't in certain parts. Is there, is it, do you think it's true that if you uh, were to shave every day, it actually grows back thicker? I think that's a myth. I think it's a myth too. I, uh, I think it really has to do with her, uh, your hereditary traits. Um, but if you really want to try to grow, you know, grow a beard, just, you got to get through the itchy phase and you got to get past the patchy phase because once you get past the certain, the certain phases, like the patchy phase, once everything grows long enough, you can cover up kind of like, you know, when people are going bald on top and they have that, that comb over. <laughs> yeah. Almost the same effect, but I you got to embrace it, man. You got to own it. Yeah. It's just, uh, this is how I look. This is how it grows. Um, this is my face. Yep. That's right. <laughs> um, don't you think it's interesting? I just talking to uh, to another person. Megan was on here, and she likes to have different hair colors and all kinds of crazy styles. Uh, don't you think it's interesting how um, society views different hairstyles or in how it affects employment? Like if you were looking for oh, yeah. a, a, a day job somewhere like an office, or maybe even a server at a fancy restaurant, they're not allowed to have any facial hair. Don't you think that's kind of crazy? That is nuts. But I do understand, especially at uh, at like a restaurant, 
because I do, I mean, there's days I can go like this and, you know, it just comes out. So for hygienic reasons, I could see why. Um, but, you know, there's still so many, you know, views that are negative towards, you know, like you said, hair color, facial hair, tattoos. Just self-expression um, of uh, your own personal yeah. body. Yeah, that's your why my wife does. Sorry, earrings yeah. are gauges, you know. Yeah, that's why my wife does the job that she does. She works with horses, so she can do whatever color she wants with her hair. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> so me as a wedding photographer, I, that's why sometimes I feel like I don't fit in with the norm here in Virginia Beach because they're all clean cut photographers and they're all yeah. fancy. And here I am, I'm a, I'm a veteran with a beard and tattoos and I'm here to have fun and take pictures, you know? Sure. Um, and so uh, you mentioned you're a veteran of the Navy. Um, tell me about your experience. Sounds like you uh, were traveling a lot. Uh, yeah, so the Navy is interesting. Um, it's a love-hate relationship. I loved my experiences I, I, that I had, but I also I hated missing a lot of things back home. Um, my first deployment was right after September 11th. I was on the Roosevelt. Uh, we did 159 days out at sea with no, no ports. Our first port was Bahrain, and then we pulled into Marseille, France, and then came home. Okay. Um, from there, I've been to, um, I've been to Italy. I've been to Spain, Bahrain. Uh, again, I've been to uh, Dubai, probably like twelve times. Been to Hong Kong, Thailand, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, and Japan. So went across the equator, got my, my shell back in. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Quite a Trying different a amount lot of interesting cultures. Culture. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that, <laughs> that's for a, 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 a podcast for later that will never air ever again. <laughs> um, you probably had some crazy experiences and uh, different laws in different places. Uh, oh yeah. And yep. uh, crazy. Um, crazy the different practices where in certain countries if you were to commit a crime uh, they punish right then and there with you know cutting off a hand or something oh yeah <laughs> um the most interesting thing though that that baffled me was when we were in france and we, we went into mcdonald's and they had a, a wine dispensing machine kind of like the soda machine yeah that was that was cool <laughs> alcoholic mcdonald's did they have a yes. play place too in there do what do they have an adult play place? Uh, no. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah it's, uh, it's cool to see these different places. I haven't been out of the country too much other than Canada, but I've been traveling the U.S. a lot lately, and uh, I think I went to about seven or eight states last year. So um, even during a pandemic, and uh, um, it's cool to see everybody at the track. But, you know, it's, it's an outdoor event. So I guess maybe that's why it's um, more able to happen nowadays yeah um yeah you know my next goal of traveling and, and i'm just waiting for all my kids to grow up and the wife and i have talked about we're going to travel the united states there's a lot here to, to go see still um i've made it to most of all the states uh either through flying or driving to but um i still have plenty more to go see like i haven't been to oregon yet haven't been to idaho yet montana or wyoming 
Do you do uh, like nature photography or a scenery like of that sort? I have done some. I just, just not, not for me. Yeah, it's kind I can't, of. Uh, I can't sit. One... Huh? What's that? A little bit slower. Or if you're like waiting to do an animal photography, you're waiting for like hours. Yeah. Hours. I I've I've tried to do the whole animal thing. Like I've sat in a, in a tree blind to try to you know do it. I, I I move around too much. I make too much noise. Yeah. <laughs> so or, so for all you guys out there that are hunters, don't don't bring me with you. You'll <laughs> never get anything that day. I think it's hilarious. You know, there's a bunch of hunter friends of mine to be like going on a trip and didn't see a single deer to shoot. I'm going out my mountain biking and I almost hit a deer on my mountain bike with my headphones, with my, my headlights, 2000 lumens and a whistle, you know, and they're just stopped in front of me. I'm like, well, yeah, that's really hard to kill one of these things. Right. <laughs> it's just the wrong place. You're not supposed to shoot them there. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be right where, I mean, it's just like any animal you train them to, to not be in a certain spot because you overhunt that spot or, you know, you, like my, my mother-in-law, she's trained my dogs to think that every time they go outside, they get a treat. So now they, I know they don't have to go out and they're going to go and beg at the door to go out. And then I let them out. They stand there for five seconds and then they want to come back in. Yeah. So yeah, if you overhunt a certain area, yeah, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> right. It's uh, they're not stupid. They know what's, what's going on. Yeah. Same with fishing. If you overfish a spot, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a problem, right? Overfishing. We could get into that, like all the problems of. Uh, I watched a documentary of of that, and we're we're killing our our stock of the ocean and almost beyond uh, repair. It's it's not crazy. And it's like, well, I, I know they're coming out with stuff that's beyond meat, and they're trying to create meat out of a dish now, which might be good for for things, but it's not there yet. I mean, I don't. I've never tried any of that. It seems like it's in its. Uh, early stages and i don't want to be a, a test subject right <laughs> like i don't want to have that uh what a what is it the uh the fake burger or the i forget oh what it's yeah the impossible burger Impossible. Well, what is it then i don't even know is it... i don't i don't know my dad he he changed a vegan a while back ago and he 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 eats it and he says it's amazing he can't even tell a difference i'm like oh well don't sign me up for that i feel like i'd be really unhealthy if i was vegan yeah, I'd be eating a lot of uh, candy, I think, instead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, uh, I'm going to be going on a date later. I'm excited about that. Uh, I've been using the dating apps and all that and, uh, you know, trying to approach women more often. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like you get momentum as you go. Because for a while, yeah. I was, like, not doing anything. I was like, why am I not doing this? Um <laughs> But it's uh, Valentine's Day, so it's like it sparks up new, uh, like, oh, I probably should uh, see if I can get a girlfriend again, you know? Yeah, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I miss having a girlfriend. And then you get into a really, oh, man, I, I don't miss this. <laughs> it's going to be a single, too, because, like, uh, I might be doing 30 or 40 events this year, so it's kind of hard to have something. Uh, it depends on what you want. If you want to see the person every day, it's not going to work. But it's going to yeah. be something mutual that you got to be independent. Um, exactly. That'd be your own person. Yeah, when I met my wife, we were both in a, in a spot in our lives that we didn't want to date at all anybody. And she was my neighbor. She had moved into the apartment below me. And we were friends for four years before anything ever happened. And yeah. now we've been together 10 years and married going on six. So 
do you wish you would have said something earlier? You were like kicking yourself, like, man, we could have like four more years, or was it just it happened naturally? It just I just wanted it to happen naturally because I I was just coming out of a, a really nasty divorce and stuff like that, and I was just hating hating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take some time so, uh, to regroup and be on your own and process yep. things. Um, yep. And now, now I think that if anything would go to happen now, like, you know, God forbid something happened to her or we got divorced or something like that. I, I don't think I want to, at my age at 43, I don't want to go through that, that hassle anymore. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Would you um, maybe do the girlfriend, but not the, the wife? None. Not even that? Nope. I'll move to Vegas, figure it out <laughs> from there. Sure. Just uh, be on the, on the bachelor lifestyle. That's right. <laughs> Because you can do whatever you want. You don't have to report to anybody. You have to ask um, if you can buy certain things, right? You can just do it yep. and uh, and uh, blow if the there's dirty dishes in the sink. It's my fault. Nobody <laughs> else's. Yep. Yeah. You. Uh, I haven't had a dishwasher for uh, since I moved out of my parents' house. I do miss having one of those. <laughs> yeah, you need to get one of those. Those things are convenient and nice. But my parents have one, and they uh, they say they don't even use it. I'm like, why? Why would you not use it? I don't understand. <laughs> that makes no sense. Is it like it's only me and me and my dad, me and your husband? So whatever. <laughs> I said that wrong. But uh, <laughs> um, it's only me and him. We don't need that. We only use a few dishes. I just I just pile them up in there and then do it once a week or whatever. Help every couple of days. I don't know. That's right. I don't know. <laughs> I cook so much that I have to use ours almost on a daily basis. Are you a little bit of a chef? Yeah. Only. But, I, I like to dibble and dabble a little bit here and there. My parents think I should open up a, a food truck. I'm like, I don't think so. What kind, what kind of cuisine? A anything that sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, Most of the time, it's I open up the cupboard. I'm like, huh, what can I make out of this? <laughs> yeah, I like all <laughs> kinds of random concoctions of uh, different flavors. I'm not a, I'm not a huge person like, uh, oh, this has to go with this. I'm. I'll just stick it all together and see what kind of leftovers we have uh, and put it That's in right. one dish. <laughs> That's right. I think that comes back to, uh, you know, you know what I used to do before I joined the Navy and, you know, wanting to explore different avenues of delicious food because I had other great feelings going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like uh, exploring different stuff. I worked at a few different restaurants, some fast food and some, some uh, four-star uh dining experiences and um man they had so many different dishes at the the upper scale place so i have never even heard of these words or these foods before like what is what is this what is this couscous <laughs> right <laughs> but uh it's cool to uh to be exposed to all that stuff yeah for sure um, and so. uh I just met a girl who said, I've never heard of Chipotle. I'm like, what? What? I've been there like 50 times. I've never heard of this restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are pretty sheltered. Yeah, I guess it must be one of those Michigan things. <laughs> um, but uh, I just like tacos and Mexican food and you know different stuff like that. But uh, it's maybe not authentic Mexican. It's just Americanized. Everything's Americanized. Even when you go over to, you know, the other countries, their stuff is Americanized. Try to make it to the masses. Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah. So in, <laughs> in Dubai, you go into Applebee's and you think you're getting a steak. Sure, it's a steak. Not of a cow, though. It's probably <laughs> camel. Camel, a whole different animal. You're not even expecting. Yeah. 
but it's still Americanized because they put steak. <laughs> Have you had some uh, odd or exotic animals through different travels? Nope. You stick away, stay away from that stuff. Yep. <laughs> like when we were in uh, Thailand, my my buddy he wanted to try different things. I was like, dude, I'm gonna go to McDonald's because <laughs> uh, there's a risk you could get maybe some uh, disease or like a tapeworm or something. Maybe. I'm not worried about that. It's just the thought of weird the the weirdness. <laughs> um. I just went to, uh, on this last weekend, we went to dinner and uh, the guy had duck. I was like, I've never had a duck before. What's that taste like? It's like it's greasy, greasy, like uh, rubbery kind of maybe. Uh, it's kind of like, even if it's the white meat, it's kind of like, like greasy, kind of like how a chicken thigh or dark meat meat is, but it's like the whole thing. Oh, it's like a Thailand restaurant, Thai, Thai food. Yeah. And then uh, rabbit, rabbit's pretty, pretty interesting too. <laughs> it's it's gamey but it's not gamey all at the same time yeah um i just had some uh venison jerky and that stuff's pretty darn good yeah <laughs> yeah some people have a problem with that because it's like um it's it's not the most humane thing maybe or am i thinking of something else no you must be thinking of something else i mean well, veal. Oh, i'm thinking of veal yeah veal yep nope that's not so yeah have you ever have you ever looked up how they do that it's some with baby cows yeah um we'll just leave that right there it's supposed to be more unhumane than regular cows yeah i don't know but uh well we can leave that right there we don't have to talk about that uh yep we don't want to scare away all your all your listeners <laughs> um it's like you want to be relevant. You want to talk about relevant news like uh, the Super Bowl, but you don't want to be too controversial and steer people away. Exactly. Don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. There's a fine line there. Like uh, you can talk about things, but uh, you don't want to throw, throw people under the bus. Um, but there's a fine line there. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. What's something? What what grinds your gears? What's something that uh, you could talk about that's um, Maybe uh, a gray area of sorts. Oh man, there's so <laughs> many areas. See, one thing that that with veterans that you know, <clears throat> a lot of people don't understand is we we have a, a weird sense of humor. So things that shouldn't be funny, we'll find humor in. Yeah. So I I'll just leave it right there. Yeah. Well, you always as a comedian or as trying to make jokes with your shooting shit with your buddies you always try to push the envelope and say some ridiculous things oh we i can't get into that <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um because i might uh, run for office one day and i don't want you know skeletons coming out right it's like uh you want to speak your mind but it's, there's like a limit right there's some, there's some yep. filter there yeah i have a filter now now if we would have done this you know 10 years ago or so you oh man you have been beeping me out right because yeah um yep. well i try to let everything fly like i've had some uh, pretty crazy guests just run their mouth or just say whatever they wanted uh not anything bad i'd say but um it's just interesting to just sit back and like let them talk <laughs> the directions that they go i'm like oh okay uh that's interesting <laughs> just just nodding and saying yes okay uh-huh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just because you don't want to stop them, like this is gold. But uh, yeah. so that was I didn't expect that one. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I try to keep it tame now, especially being a business owner. Once all that's done and over with, my old self will come back. Sure. Um, and uh, tell me about your logo. You got, a, is it a shield with a sword? Is that your... Oh, no. So this hat right here? Yeah. This is for Uncana. They're a CBD company. Okay. And they are a um, all veteran owned type deal. And I received this hat from them uh, when I bought some product and uh, it's good stuff. And tell me what uh, CBD, does, CBD does for you. Uh, so I use it. Uh, they, they have a um, like a menthol like thing that you use for your like your joints like a topical on the, on the skin yeah yep so the topical stuff i really really like it seems to work pretty good um because i've had you know four knee surgeries a couple shoulder surgeries i had a neck injury um so that that works really good now i've tried their their you know oils um i didn't i don't know it seemed to work but I, i'm not sure uh so when it comes to that that type stuff i just use i, I just i just smoke <laughs> yeah it's just easier i gotcha um and uh that stuff really seems like it helps it penetrates in inward and uh gets to the joints yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like probably the uh what's it called the Oh man, I can't think of the name of it, but I've I put some stuff on my knee before. That's kind of like that. It's oh, like like icy like hot or Bengay. Like or icy hot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it seems to uh, help penetrate really well and um, very strong smelling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that actually helps. I don't know how that how the smell helps your your joints. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> a, it's, it's a science. It's a science. We got to believe in it. Right. Um, it's, uh, but science is always evolving. You never know. So the science of today could be different uh, in tomorrow or in 10 years, and it's always changing. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, What do you think the next uh, technology for cameras is going to be? You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Because if you think about it, you know, just 20 some years ago, we still had film photography going on. And, uh, you know, we had cell phones, but they didn't have any kind of capabilities. Now, our cell phones, you know, they're, they're more powerful than our desktops or our laptops, for the most part. So who knows what, the, you know, what, the, where it's going to go. I mean, I think, the uh... capabilities of some of these cameras now, um, I mean, I wouldn't even use half the settings that they have on it because I don't find a need for it, but they have it there. Yeah, and they're going into 3D and like uh, dual cameras on the same uh, on the same device so that you can get yeah. uh, a different perspective so it can get kind of that 3D look. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't, I mean, who knows? I've even seen uh, 3D imaging technology that's free to get on your cell phone like a, it's an app you can download that if you wanted to sell your house or, or rent out a room or something you could get like a 3d walk around of uh of your of your house it's like that's uh pretty cool technology using photography and and some video i guess to 
spatially put all this stuff together in 3D when your camera is just a regular camera. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's wild technology, but uh, I think it's interesting, the story of like Kodak, how they they had the digital camera and they had this, or they had the the analog camera and the, the, f the film business. And then they developed yep. the digital camera and didn't sell it. They put it on the shelf for many years and someone else came out and uh, sold the digital camera and they were on the back foot now. Yep. And now yep. they're out of business because of that. They said, we want to focus on our print business and didn't pursue the new technology uh, and someone else did. Yep. That's what happens when you get caught sleeping, man. <laughs> so it's like, you always got to be evolving and changing, but um, you don't want your, your other business to suffer. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, that's where you gotta find that the fine line. But um, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We got about an hour and twenty some minutes already. So thanks for talking to me, man. Um, I'll be no sure problem. to uh, to share and post this as soon as possible. But where can people find you online if they want to get some services or talk to you more? Uh, so I have a website, epicbeardphotography.com, and I'm also on uh, Instagram. I have four different uh, accounts on Instagram. One is Epic Beard Photography. The other one is Epic Beard Photography Sports, and then a pinup, and then a travel, and then also I have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, very good. And uh, do you put videos out there anywhere, like on YouTube? I have on YouTube. Um, I, it's under uh, Epic Beard Productions on YouTube. Um, there, I don't have much because right now all the content that I made last year has either gone to Max Flinders or to Tony blackall so if you want to check out some of my videos you'd have to go there um i think here soon though i think i'm going to just stick it on mine anyways i don't know and uh do you have any um aspirations of like getting into film whether it's like created creating a film or like shooting somehow um i don't know if you would you would like join a, co a different company to do that or how that even works so um <clears throat> I do have some aspirations to do that. I'm waiting to find out if what I applied for is it comes through as true. Um, I applied to be a part of the production team that does the uh, Moto America show Pressure to Rise. Oh, cool. So um, I'm just waiting to hear back on that. Uh, and if everything's a go, then that's actually what I'll be doing this, uh, this season. If not, I'm still going to be doing my freelance stuff anyway. So I'll still be there. Very good. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I talked to a videographer, uh, Gray Pham. Uh, you probably heard yep. of a uh, GP Industries guy. Um, he's actually in the process of uh, making his own masterclass uh, so that oh, people wow. can watch him, how he does everything. And uh, I've been following that kid for a couple of years now. And, and his stuff is blowing up off the charts with, uh, he makes them super snappy. And, uh, and he puts like a, um, some sort of hip hop beat or some rap music and yep. uh, it's just really catchy it catches the eye you just got people like sliding out the rear tire uh or wheelies or you know hard passes or so that slow-mo the slow-mo angles are uh pretty cool to watch yeah for sure i've watched a couple of stuff i follow him on instagram too yeah um now are there any other or any artists that you follow that are you think are up-and-comers that uh, you're keeping your eye on mm. No, not really. I just uh -huh. I like everybody's work, so yeah. Um, if you're or, if you're if you 
got at least 500 followers or more i don't find you as up and coming you you kind of especially right now with the way instagram is you you kind of you're there you already made it if you're over 500 yeah that that's seems like a, it. it seems like a low threshold though i would have thought it'd been higher nah because with the way they've changed their algorithm now it's really hard to to really get your presence out there you think it's harder for, now I, than it was uh, a couple years ago yeah so i i did a reel the other day right and i have like five thousand views 110 likes the yeah. next day i did another reel and it's got uh was 410 views and 20 likes so their algorithms all over the place and <laughs> i watched all these tutorials and you know what you should do you know check that trendy stuff and try to be like them and and you know don't do this many hashtags do this many hashtags and so right now if you have at least in my book if you have 500 followers and you have good content you're, you're there because other than that it's too hard to keep up with the joneses with this shit yeah everything's changing and now i just started trying to do reels um yeah i think it's instagram reels and youtube has shorts it's like the same thing um yeah. because uh those are those are like an advertisement I'll, I'll do a 60 second clip of this say and then of the most interesting part or a, an interesting part of it and yep. splice that and just make it in the 50 or 60 seconds but um and then that's an ad for the, the longer clip if you want to watch the whole thing yep exactly so um but all right that's about an hour and a half so we can cut it there um and then i uh, appreciate you talking to me i'll get this edited no and posted problem. and uh, i'll talk to you real soon i'll see you in a couple weeks at daytona yeah for sure You'll see me. I'll be on my little blue scooter. I sent you a picture. All right. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Cool. Bye. Have a good one. Maybe too.